Tonight, our mission, our goal, led by our study in Peter, is that we would be stirred up. Paul, uh, Peter writes his letter, he says, in order that his readers would be stirred up by way of reminder. So I want to tell you tonight, hopefully you know this, our goal for this 30-day revival, and we've got 22 days left, our goal for this 30-day revival, uh, and our goal tonight, therefore, is that we would be encouraged, that we would be uplifted, that we would be strengthened, uh, that we would be refocused, and that literally, that we would be stirred up. That is my prayer, uh, that is my hope, and that is, that is our mission tonight, that we would be stirred up uh, in the process tonight. Well, tonight I want to tell you, you are so blessed to be here tonight. You are so lucky to be here tonight, or listening in any means, because I'm going to tell you tonight the secret to getting stirred up and the secret to staying stirred up. In fact, it's bigger than that. I'm going to tell you tonight this single thing is the greatest thing you can do to build your Christian walk. Uh, it is the single greatest thing to enjoy your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the single greatest thing that you can do to enjoy peace and joy in these days. Sometimes we see how hard these days are and it seems like we're robbed of our peace and joy. This single thing is the greatest thing you can do to walk in peace and joy in these days. It is the single greatest investment and endeavor that you can undertake as a follower of Jesus Christ. This one thing, listen to me, this single thing will make the greatest impact in every area of your life. It will make every area of your life better. There is no part of your life, and I, I challenge you to find one, that will not profit from this one thing, that will not be blessed from this one thing. It is that big. Now listen, you're sitting there going, well, he's overselling it. I'm not overselling it. You're saying, well, he's a preacher. That's what he has to do. He's exaggerating it. I'm not exaggerating. It is that big tonight. The secret is this. The thing is this. Time spent in the word of God. That's it. The biggest dividend producing thing that you can do as a follower of Jesus Christ and sometimes I think we want something else. We want something more. The biggest dividend-producing thing you can do as a follower of Jesus Christ is to spend time in the Word of God. Now, here's the thing about that. It's not flashy. It's not new. In fact, it's far from it. It's not in vogue as the latest thing. Sometimes we're looking for the latest thing. It's not in vogue as the latest thing. But listen to me tonight. It is no less powerful. Tonight, Peter goes on. How do we live in a tough world? How do we endure in tough times? How do you get stirred up? How do you stay stirred up? And he goes back tonight to the Word of God. Our message tonight is entitled, The Milk That Does a Body Good. The Milk That Does a Body Good. Now, it's funny. Some of my titles if you're, not, if you're not as old as me, you don't know what that means. Uh, the milk that does the body good. Some folks are going, I don't even know what this means. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, 
verse 3. We're going to cross over into the second chapter tonight. Our verses are found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, going through chapter 2, verse 3. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 22, God's Word says this. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity tonight. We're thankful for this gathering tonight. We're thankful for you, our Savior, our King, our Lord. Uh, we praise you tonight. Lord, I, I pray as we've come and assembled tonight uh, that, you, that you would speak to us in your word, that you would stir us up. And that is my prayer, Lord. Stir us up, the, the youngest to the oldest. Uh, light a, a fire of revival in us as we remember your word, as we see your word, as we hear your voice through your word. Lord, I pray that the impact would be great. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that we'd be strengthened. I pray that we'd be instructed. And Lord, I pray that we'd be quick to hold up the good news of our risen Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those listening in another way tonight as these videos goes out, go out as people here tonight. I, I pray that it bears an impact that's, that's exceedingly abundantly more than we would ask or think, that it would go to places where you would have it to go. It would bear much fruit. I pray for some that are hearing tonight that sadly are without Jesus Christ, that have no hope tonight. I pray in the hearing of the preached gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, that tonight would be the night that any hindrance would be removed, that their ears would be opened, that their hearts would be stirred, and they would respond in faith to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And then I pray all of this, Lord, for your name's sake. For your glory. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In his letter so far, Peter has encouraged the suffering believers by first reminding them who their Savior is. Now, think about this first chapter. That is what he's done. He's reminded them of who their Savior is. He has reminded them of what their Savior, Jesus, has done. He's also reminded them what they have in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, that's an awesome place to start. That's probably the necessary, needed place to start, to remember our Savior, the truth of our Savior, to remember who we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, as we got toward the end of the first chapter, he has now turned and gone into instruction mode. He is telling them, telling them, maybe you're noticing this, 
very plainly, these are the things to do and these are the things not to do as you live as believers in these days, in this land. Now, I want you to notice this. Even Peter's instruction is instructing is tied to great reminders. And I noticed that pattern as we were moving along. It's going to continue, but I see that pattern. Even his instruction, even his instructing is tied to great reminders. It means this. Peter says, do this, but he doesn't not give us a reason. He says, because of this great truth. Or he says, because of this great truth, be sure and do this, or be sure and don't do this other thing. And so we're seeing here the two things are going hand in hand. It is literally being stirred up. It is literally being called to action by way of reminder. That's the pattern we're seeing here as Peter instructs. Well, that goes on tonight. That continues tonight, all right? The first instruction for tonight found in verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Let me read that again. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now here's what's happened here. The believers have heard the truth in response to the truth, they have made changes. Now, that's how it ought to work. We respond in faith. We respond in obedience. And so they have heard the truth. In response to the truth, they have made changes. Because they are obedient to the truth, the fruit of that, it says it has purified their souls. Now, to purify, the word purified here means to clean or to cleanse. And so this means their souls have a new disposition. And that new disposition, they've become obedient to the word, that new disposition is to love the brethren. That's the word, the brethren. Now that is a, a word that means the believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now the reality is this. When we are saved, when we put our faith in Jesus and are born again, we love God and we love people. Those become growing things in our new disposition. Well, this is the fruit here of obeying the truth. We see here that it's also especially focused on other believers. We love the brethren. We love other believers. I'll tell you this, all the way through Scripture, all the way through the New Testament, that is the reality of following Christ. Uh, John says to claim to love God but not love the others uh, is a lie. He says you can't say that. You're a liar. That's actually what he says. Jesus says that the world are, is going to know that we follow him by how we love each other. That's actually what he says. The world's going to see that you're followers of Christ by how we love each other. Well, with that reminder, and that's what he's done, he's reminded them, with that reminder, Peter then instructs. So, here's what you do. Fervently love one another from the heart. With that reminder, here's what you do. Fervently love one another from the heart. The word fervently means earnestly, uh, 
intently. One translation said strenuously. Strenuously. That is how we are to love one another. We are to truly actually love one another. We are to serve one another. We are to care about one another. We are to be found in true love for the brethren. Now, I want you to notice something here, and we, we see it any time we study Christian love. Notice here, that's not an emotion. He doesn't say, have a, have a warm, fuzzy feeling for the brethren. It's not a feeling. It is an action. It is a command carried out in an action. Now, here's what I want to say. Get this tonight. A hard world is a whole lot harder when the church does not love each other. And I'll just tell you, that's the matter of the fact. That's how it is. A hard world. This world is hard. This, water, this world will seek to tear you apart. It'll seek to kick you when, you down, when you're down. And a hard world is harder when the church doesn't love one another. That is the plan of God. Sometimes we miss that. That is, that is the mechanism of God. The world is hard. Let me give you some, some brethren, some brothers and sisters to encourage you, to help carry the load with you, to walk with you. That is one of the ways that we keep going, one of the ways that we keep it together. It's hard enough in the world. The church is to love one another. There's the first instruction. All right, moving to verse 23. Let me read 22 again. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. All right, right here now, in the middle of all this instructing, we find a section talking about or reminding of the truth of the Word of God. Now, we've just passed through some instructions. He said, do this thing, do this thing, do this thing. Well, here in the middle of these instructions, right here, we find a section talking about or reminding of the truth of the Word of God. Right here, for, for whatever God's wisdom is, right here is where God has decided to place this. Now, let me say this tonight, on this Saturday night. We need to hear this. We need to hear this. We need to learn this. We need to be sure of this. We in the church need to be reminded of this. We do, I do, you do, our Kids do, our churches do. The greatest thing we can have is a trust in and a love for and a dependence on the Word of God. And I want to tell you, we need to be reminded of that in the church. I need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that. Our kids need to know that. The greatest thing that we can have is a trust in the Word of God, a love for the Word of God, a dependence on the Word of God. In this next section, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the truth of the Word. We're going to see the fruit of the Word. And we're going to see the priority of the Word. Those three things. This little old section, here's what we're going to see. Peter's going to tell us the truth of the Word. He's going to tell us, show us the fruit of the Word. And he's going to show us the priority of the word. The first thing we see tonight is the truth of the word. The truth of the word. I'm going to read verses 23, 24, and the first half of 25. 
For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. All right, here we go. The truth of the word. What is the word of God? Listen to me tonight. The word of God, very simply, very plainly, is the speech of God. It is the actual, literal word of God. These are the words of God. This is the speech of God. Now, God has sent it to us in his grace, in his wisdom, in his plan, through the prophets, through the apostles. He has sent it to us. God has recorded it and preserved it for us that we can have the word of God, that we can hold the word of God. Now, what does he tell us about it right here? He's given us his word. It is a great blessing to us. What does he tell us about his word right here? Now, he tells us a couple things, several things. First, he says it is imperishable. It is imperishable. Now, what that means is it does not diminish it does not perish, it does not get out of date, it does not become ruined or rancid. That's what he says. It's imperishable. So understand, that's, that's the definition, that's the understanding of the Word of God. It doesn't perish. It doesn't get out of date. It doesn't become ruined. It doesn't become rancid. Now, describing that, he gives us two traits. Describing that, it's imperishable. He gives us two traits of that one thing. He says this, it is living. It is living. Now, that means several things. The Word of God is living. It means several things. Because it is living, it still speaks. Because it is living, it is relevant. Understand, it's not an old message to a passed away age. It is relevant today. The Word of God is living, and so therefore it is relevant today. Now listen, that by itself is miraculous. And I, I don't think sometimes we understand the, the awesomeness of the truth of the Word of God. That one fact is marvelous. It is miraculous. Think about this. How can God speak to them, and he was? How can he speak to us, and he is? In that process, how can he speak to me, and how can he speak to you and it be relevant and perfect and right for all of us? Do you understand how miraculous that is, how marvelous that is? He's speaking to them, and he's speaking to them. He's speaking to you, and while he's speaking to you, if I'm listening, he's speaking to me, and it's right for all of us. It's because his word is living. It's because his word is living. Now, I've told you this before. I, I like to tell it because it's kind of funny to me. There were several people, I think there's about two of them, that years back came out and they were in the foyer and they said this, we're not coming back to this church. That's what they said. We're not coming back to this church because it feels like God's, because it feels like you're speaking to me. That's what they said to me. I come here, it feels like you're speaking to me. I'm not coming back. One of them went out that door. I'm not coming back. feels like you're speaking to me. Well, here's the deal. If I will preach the Bible, it's not me speaking to them. It is God speaking to them. The Word of God speaks today. That's awesome. 
It is active today. It is relevant. Listen, some of you are here tonight to hear what God has to say to you right now tonight. It is relative today. Relevant today. Let me ask you this. What could be better than that? This is where we're, we're just silly. What could be more needed than that? God has a message for you. Well, there's something good on TV. God has a message for you. Well, I got something better to do. What could be better than that? What could be more needed than that to hear God speak to you? Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Lord, I need to know what to do from here. Lord, my courage is being pushed down. And God says, you know what? I will speak to you. I can't imagine anything better than that. God speaks through his word. It is living. It is relevant. It is right on time. Then he says this, and this is important. Part of that also is it is enduring. It is living. It is enduring. The word for enduring means abiding. It means it remains. It lasts. It hangs on. It hangs on. It doesn't let go. It, it lasts. It remains. Now, I want to tell you, this is also very Really just too much to take. It's also miraculous. God's word doesn't need updating. And I'll just tell you, things we thought 20 years ago, they don't hold true anymore. Things we thought 100 years ago, things the greatest mind in the world put together 50 years ago, they don't hold true anymore. God's word doesn't need updating. It doesn't need revising. It doesn't need adapting because it is enduring. We do not need another word. That's what the Mormons do. They add a couple words to it. We do not need a different word. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. They translate it completely differently. We do not need a fresh word. That's what the new apostolic movement does. We need to add a fresh word. Listen to me tonight. The word of God stands because it endures. It is trustworthy. It is dependable because the word of God endures. Do you know we can take confidence in that? You know, there's a lot of things I do. I, well, I hope I'm right. Listen, if I'm following the word of God, I am right because the word of God endures. We can have confidence in that. Now, to illustrate that, Peter quotes Isaiah chapter 40. And we, we understand that picture, especially here where we live and it doesn't rain for a long time. There's grass and it's green and it's lush and it's beautiful. There's grass and it's green and then guess what? It doesn't rain and it fades back to where it came from. And there's a flower, a seed head, and it's beautiful how awesome it is. The petals begin to fall off and it withers away. The word of God is living and it endures. Let me ask you this. Do you know how awesome that is? in a day when nothing lasts. You know how awesome that is in a day when nothing else is trustworthy, dependable? And you thought, you know what, I pinned my hopes on them, I pinned my hopes on that, and that thing faded away, that thing didn't last. Do you know how awesome that is? The word of God is living, it speaks today, and it is dependable because it endures. So listen to me tonight. Go here. Go here. Look here. Search here. Practice this. The Word of God is living and it 
endures. So that's the first thing we see tonight, the truth of the Word. The truth of the Word. The second thing we see is the fruit of the Word. The fruit of the Word. Now, this is a small little phrase here. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to go too quickly by it. See this. The end of verse 25 says this. And this is the Word which was preached to you. This whole point comes off of that. And this is the word which was preached to you. Now, I want you to think about that tonight. Peter has told them that in Jesus, they have a living hope. He has told them that in Jesus, they have the salvation, the forgiveness of their sins. He has told them that in Jesus, they have an awesome inheritance. In Jesus, they know God's grace and receive God's peace. That is what they have. That is who they are. And how did they get that? Go with me. How, how did they get that? How were they saved? How were they saved? How did they arrive at the faith that saved them? Verse 25 says, It was the word preached to them. And this is the word preached to you. I want you to notice back up in verse 23, it says, they are born again of a seed. What was that seed? They are born again of a seed. What was that seed? Listen, it tells us the answer. The seed is the living and enduring word of God. Now see the picture here. A seed sprouts and grows. This seed, its product, this seed, its produce, this seed, its fruit is salvation. Now what that means is they were saved in the hearing and the receiving of the word of God. The Bible says that's how any of us are saved. How do you have faith? It is in the hearing and the receiving of the word of God. Wow, today we need a reminder of that. In the church today, as believers today, listen to me. We preach the word of God. We teach the word of God. We focus not on any kind of nonsense. We focus on the word of God. We defend and we uphold the word of God. We can't get distracted from the word of God. Listen, we can't get tired of the word of God. We can't neglect the word of God because the word of God is the imperishable seed that bears the fruit of salvation. How are folks going to find hope? How will folks find peace? How will folks ever get saved? Listen, it's when the seed of the Word of God is planting. Here's what my degree in agriculture has taught me. Church, we need more seed. Man, we need more seed. We don't need less of it. We don't need less seed. We need more of the preaching, the teaching, the taking in of the Word of God. And so we have the truth of the word. Then we have next the fruit of the word. The fruit of the word. The last piece that we're going to get to is this, the priority of the word. The priority of the word. All right, we're going to chapter 2 now, moving right along. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, putting aside, listen, all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, verse 2, like newborn babies, long 
for the pure milk of the word. This is the command. This is the instruction. This is what you're to do. Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. All right, again, he's in, in the process of reminding and instructing. And so verse 1, he's back to instructing. Verse 1, he says this. Therefore, putting aside. Now, the word for putting aside means taking off. It's like unbuckling a belt and letting it fall off. Leaving behind, putting aside, getting rid of it. Here's the list. All malice. Malice, I'm going to go through the original language and define these words, is anger, rage, wicked viciousness, ooh, meanness, all deceit. Weird word, it translates trickery, baiting. It means to set somebody up, being crafty, hypocrisy, means play acting, fake. Literally a two-sided face. You're one way over here, you're some other way over there. Put away that. Envy, listen to this one. Ill will, seeking others good for you and seeking harm for them. It is embitteredness. Envy, the word slander. It means evil speaking, evil speaking, defaming. Defaming means killing the reputation of, here's a person, they have a reputation, and you literally seek to kill their, their reputation, to destroy their reputation. Now, that seems weird that this list is right here, but I want you to see this. In the light of being born again, in the light of embracing the Word of God, in the light of seeking to love one another fervently, there's no room for these things in the life of a believer. And I'll just tell you, you can say, well, that's what they earned. Well, you don't know, that's how I am. You can say, well, that's been my past, that's how I operate. You can say, well, that's how we handle things around here. Listen, these things have no part, no place in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. They cannot fit, they cannot mesh, they cannot coexist in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's the command, so set them aside, let them fall. Be done with them. But, all right, here we go, back to verse 2. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. It says like newborn babies, here's the example, here's the, here's the picture. It says long, that word translates crave, hunger for, crave, the pure milk of the word. And by taking it in, by it, you will grow in respect to your salvation. Hear this tonight. Believers, now this is a command. This doesn't just magically happen. This is a command. Believers are to prioritize the word of God. Believers are to seek the word of God. They are to try, seek, to take in the word of God. That is to be a priority for them. Now, that's not a, a negotiable thing. That's not a non-negotiable. That's not a bonus thing. Well, I'll, I'll see if I can get around to it. It's not an add-on thing when I can. That is what a believer in Jesus Christ is to do, to crave the Word of God. Well, how do we know that? 
Well, we have an example here. Take a newborn, now don't do this, this is an example, and feed them once a day. I don't know, four o'clock. We're not going to do it earlier, we're not going to do it later, four o'clock, we're going to feed them. Or you know what, feed them every other day. It's expensive, it's time consuming, it's hard. Feed them every other day. Or how about this one? Feed them three out of five Sundays for 30 minutes except for the Sunday of the Super Bowl. Don't feed them on that day. Let me tell you what's going to happen to your baby. It's God's example. It's not mine. Your baby's going to starve. Your baby's going to be malnourished, and honestly, your baby will be in great peril. I, I pray somebody comes along and takes that baby and feeds that baby. But I want to tell you, this is what God is saying. We have to, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's not a negotiable thing. It's not an extra thing. We have to consume the Word of God. As we do, we grow in our salvation. That's what God is saying, verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Wow, this is a great qualifier. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect of salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, from the context of the whole section, what it is saying is, if you have indeed heard the Word of God that results in salvation, if you are actually saved, then stay in the Word of God, which will grow you in relation to your salvation. Let me say that again. If you've actually heard the Word of God, and by hearing it you've received it and become saved, then stay in the Word of God to grow in your salvation. Friends, it's not flashy. It's not in vogue. It's not the new thing. Far from it. I want to tell you tonight, if you're going to make it, if you're going to survive, if you're going to thrive, you have to be committed to the intake of the Word of God. You got to read it. You got to think about it. You got to be where it's preached. You've got to hear it. You got to listen to it. You got to memorize it. Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You have to live by the Word of God. Of God. Let me tell you something about our culture. The reason we're having such a hard time, I've said it about three or four nights in a row, is because we've set aside the Word of God. The reason we see such nonsense today is because we've pushed away the Word of God. Listen, the reason we're having such a hard time as believers staying encouraged is because we're neglecting the Word of God. God help us be in it. God help us crave it. God help us grow in it. That's your promise. We have to be in the word of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come, and I pray tonight that you've spoken. I believe you have. I pray, Lord, tonight that you've led us, encouraged us. Lord, you don't come and give us this to browbeat us, to, to knock us down. You give us this to encourage us. There is peace in you, and so there's the telling of peace in your word. There is hope that endures in you, and so we find hope in your word. There is instruction in you. You lead us. And so there's instruction in your word. Lord, help us to see your word for what it is, a joy and a blessing, a privilege. Lord, help us crave the word of God. I pray for our littlest kids that they're seeing it as truth. They're seeing it as where the hope truly is and that they grow up craving the word of God. I pray for our young folks 
as the world comes along and says, you can look over here, you can, you can search over here, find something that they would understand. This is the truth. This is the foundation that will last. I pray for homes that are looking every which way, that they would center their home, Lord, on the word of God. I pray for older folks that wonder, what was this about? Why did it go so fast that they would find their purpose in the word of God? Lord, let us grow in respect to our salvation. Let us be pleasing in your sight, useful to your service. Let us be people of the word of God. And then, Lord, I praise you that you loved us so much to give us your word that does not perish, that's living, that's active, that speaks, that is truth, that is joy to us. Help us be people of that word. Lord, I pray as we conclude, as we wrap up tonight, I pray for somebody that doesn't know you. I pray, Lord, that they would see the Savior of the word Jesus. That they would find hope and peace. The only place they're going to find it in that Savior, Jesus. I pray, the Lord, that tonight may ring forth in salvation. Lord, move in our midst, move in the hearts, the minds of those that are hearing. And I pray that all of us, for your glory, for your name's sake. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our time with a time of response a time of invitation. I want to tell you, it doesn't get old to say for 30 nights we're going to call people to Jesus. You see, the reason we have the word of God is because it points us to the living word, Jesus, and our hope in him, our, our salvation in him. I want to tell you the good news tonight is this. If you haven't heard anything else, and I pray you have, but if you haven't, there is hope tonight in Jesus. There's the forgiveness of your sin tonight in Jesus. He's carried your shame and your sin to the cross. He has paid for it there totally, fully. It is finished in Jesus. He is our Savior. He's paid for it. He is our Redeemer. He's redeemed us. The Bible says we receive that by faith. Not of any work that we need to do, not something we need to muster up, not in a church membership, but in faith we receive that. I want to tell you the good news tonight is this. God loves you. He's provided a means of salvation for you in Jesus. If you'll turn to him and trust him now, Tonight, this very moment, he will save you. If you've never trusted Jesus, do it tonight. Turn to him tonight. He'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you've trusted him and never fought in believer's baptism. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. And we'll preach this word. We'll declare this word until Jesus comes again. Maybe tonight you're here. And you're saying, what are the chaos and the trouble and the drama and the hurt? It's a burden. It's heavy. Maybe tonight you're here because God wants to say this. Listen, child, I'm speaking to you. And I have hope and I have direction and I have peace and it's found in my word. And maybe our response is say, God, help me go back to your word. Help me find your word. Help me to revel in your word. Make, us, make me a person of your word. We're going to stand to sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, you come on. You need more information. You step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.